0: Last week, we started a new series entitled Wireless. It's a series on prayer. And uh, we covered, we answered one of the most important questions, I think, which is, why should we pray? Uh, Why should we pray? And, And the question that we answered is, if God is sovereign, that is, if he knows everything already and he's in control of everything already, then why should I pray? What difference does it make? Raise your hand if you've ever struggled with that question. I still, still struggle with that question until last week, when we had three, I think, pretty good answers, answers that have helped me as to why we should answer that question. And so if you missed it last week, you can listen to that online. Those answers to that question, I think, have freed me up personally to be able to pray, to say that we still are required to pray, we're still called to pray, we're still invited to pray, even though God is in control. Of course we should pray to God. Who else would we pray to? But God, who's in control? So, so, that's the, so last week we answered, why should we pray? Today I want to answer this question, who should we pray to? And you may think that's obvious, God, right? We're praying to God. But here's the thrust or the big idea of today's message, and that is this. What we say is determined by who we say it to. I'll say that again. What we say is determined by who we say it to. There are certain things you just don't say to certain people, am I right? There's protocol. And so today we're going to look at two things. We're going to see that God is king of the universe. So what we say is determined by who we say it to. How do we say or what do we say to the king of the universe? And then secondly, we'll see that God is our loving father. And if what we say is determined by who we say it to, then how do we talk to a father who loves us? I think Psalms... I was reading the Psalms this week. Psalm 36 does a really good job of showing us both God as king of the universe and God as loving father. For instance, look at verse five and six. It says, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens and your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep and man and beast you save O Lord, king of the universe. I just see David exalting God as king of the universe in those two verses. Then the next few verses says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Doesn't that just sound like a loving father who invites us into his home and feeds us with his abundance and takes cares cares of us, takes cares of us, and then also instructs us, shows us light. We don't know what darkness and light is if it isn't for our father who teaches us the difference between good and evil and lightness and dark. So God is king of the universe and he's our loving father. So if what we say is determined by who we say it to, how do we speak to God who is king of the universe? And my answer to that question is, say nothing. Say nothing. We might take a play from Isaiah's playbook, if you remember the story of Isaiah, he walks into church one Sunday morning, I should say Saturday morning, and he is approached with the almighty God himself and his angels. Can you imagine? You walk in, boom, there's God. What would you do? Let's look at what Isaiah does. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This means this robe was just like smoke that just covered the whole temple. And when he walked in, above him stood seraphim. These are kinds of angels that God created for himself. And it says they have six wings, and with two, they covered their face, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And I don't know, maybe I watched too many movies. But when I'm imagining these angels, I'm not imagining like cupids, you know, flying around. I'm seeing these two massive wings covering their face, and these two massive wings covering essentially their whole body, which is weird. And then you see these angels, and they're flying, and I don't think they just go, you know, like a cartoon. I see them as like, you know, you know, before you even, you know, you ever seen like that on the movies? It's like, whoa, wait, how'd you get there? They just, they know how to, they don't even use their wings to fly. They just appear in places the way I see it. And they called out one unto another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And the, fa- listen to this, the foundations of the thresholds shook. And they don't build them like they used to, you know? Like if the earthquake hit my house, it's down, you know, in, sec- in seconds. This is, you know, ancient Israel. They, they were slaves. They knew how to build the pyramids. They built this temple, and it shook. And a voice came out and called, and it's filled with smoke. And he said, woe is, and I said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And if you really know what's happening here, he's not talking out loud. He's talking to himself. He's saying, I can't even talk because I have unclean lips. The moment I speak this word passes my dirty lips and it taints or defiles this place where the holy God is, so I I can't even speak. So what does Isaiah do? He says nothing. Think about that. If what we say is determined by who we say it to, then how can you approach the king of the universe? Say nothing. Sometimes I think we visualize God as Morgan Freeman, (laughs) you know, This nice little old man with a nice smile, and he he just kind of smiles at our ignorance and our arrogance. Oh you. But that is not the experience of Isaiah or Moses or the Apostle John. In fact, anyone who ever came face to face with God and lived to speak of it, they all have the same experience, and it's not Morgan Freeman. It's Hug the ground and hold on while the earth is shaking violently. For instance, I'll just read this one, Exodus chapter 19. Moses brought the people. He wanted to introduce the people to God. He's an evangelist. He brought them out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain, the mountain, Now Mount Sinai is wrapped in smoke. There's that smoke again because the Lord had descended on it in fire and the whole mountain trembled greatly and at the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. That's his voice. And Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. <laughs> I can tell you stories in Acts. Acts. All the apostles are gathered around a room. God shows up, the whole earth is shaking. You look at the Apostle John, he gets taken to heaven. He sees God. What does he do? He says, "I felt as though dead." This isn't Morgan Freeman. <laughs> this is the King of the universe." And so how do you speak to the King of the universe? Say nothing." I had an experience kind of like this when I was in college. Actually, it's nothing like this. It's nothing compared to meeting God face to face. But I got to meet someone who I considered the most important person in the world. His name was Rich Mullins. Anyone ever heard of Rich Mullins? I, he was like my idol. I looked up to him. I wanted to be him. In fact, I got turned on to him because of his music. And it's because his music was different than everyone else's music. It was, it was better than everyone else's music. He, he actually sang about real things. He was raw. Sometimes he would get mad at God in his songs, and I'd say, thanks for saying that, because I feel that way, and now I can sing that way, too. He he would talk about nature, you know, the moon moved past Nebraska and spilled laughter on them cold Dakota hills, Now I've never been in Nebraska or Dakota, but I sure like that song. I just, he, he had a depth that I didn't have with God, and so as I was driving around in my car one day, I thought to myself, I'm gonna ask him if I can follow him. Why not? What if I could just quit college, which, you know, would be fun at that time, and follow Rich Mullins and do what he does? Maybe he can mentor me. I don't know if you know much about Rich Mullins, but there's so much more to him than just his music. I learned as I started liking his music that he was a celibate, which means he was never going to get married because he wanted to serve God. And listen to this. He was a famous musician, multiple albums. He wrote music for Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. So he made lots of money, I'm, I'm assuming. He had a golden globe or a dove or whatever they're called in the Christian world. But here's what he did. He went to a little church in Wichita, Kansas, and he had all of his checks sent to that church. And he told that elder elder board, every year, I want you to get together and determine my salary for the year. And here's how I want you to base that salary. I want you to base it on what the average blue-collar worker in this town makes. And then I want you to pay me that. And then I want you to take the rest of it and give it to the Indians. American Indians, the Navajo Indians. He he had a minish, a mission in a ministry to the Navajo, I believe it was the Navajo Indians. And he gave, he didn't give 10% to God. He gave like a lot of percent. <laughs> you know, he gave it all to God, he sent. And he says, all I need is enough money to feed myself and to wear, you know, sandals. And that's the way he that's the way he rolled. So I went, I found out he was coming in concert in Houston. I lived in Dallas. So I drove all the way to Houston, met a friend of mine there, got there like 19 hours early. You know, this wasn't an Apple iPhone, uh, you know, uh, opening (laughs) event. This was Rich Mullins. No one was there early. I was the only one there early, but I got to sit on the front row, and I was the annoying fan who kept requesting songs the whole night. And then when the concert was over, I, I got to go in line to get him to sign an autograph. And I had my guitar book, and I wanted him to sign an autograph. But as the line grew, I kept getting into the back of the line because I wanted to be the last person, so I just kept getting in the back. It's like, darn, there's more people. Come on, go ahead in front of me. Why? No, just go. I want to be last So I waited in line for like six hours, and I finally approached the rich Mullins, and here's what I was going to say. Can I follow you? Will you mentor me? I will leave everything and follow you. The Lord told me to say this to you. I'm just kidding. I wasn't going to say that. That would have been weird. I approached him, and here's what I said. He said, what's your name? I said, what's my name? Oh, Mike, Mike. He said, Mike. He signed it, he handed a book to me, and he said, cool cross, apparently I was wearing a cool cross on my, on my neck, and I'm like, I don't even think I said thank you or anything, I was like, oh Mike, <laughs> and walked away. <laughs> How many hours was I standing there, and I get up there, I had no plan, I was just gonna you know, say, can I follow you, and I get there, I, could, I was speechless. And I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but here's what I think. If I, meeting a silly little quote unquote celebrity, Am speechless. Then how much more so will I fall on my face if I were to approach the King of the Universe? When you're talking to God, the King of the Universe, say nothing. Uh, David, the psalmist, wrote this: "Be still and know that I am God." You don't need to say anything. We don't need to tell God anything. Just listen. He's God. Why would you talk? Why would you talk? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Just sat. Still and listened. I'll tell you another personal story because I'm feeling particularly nostalgic this morning. When I was 18, I ran away from home. It was a bad situation and I just had to get out of there. I was president of my youth group, so it wasn't my fault. I was a good kid. But I ran away from home. And I, and, I, and I lived with my youth pastor for about three months until I was, try, I was, so I was trying to figure out my next plan, how I was going to go to college, what I was going to do. And so I had all these elaborate plans. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to get paid this much. I'm going to get this apartment. I'm going to move in with this guy. Every time those plans, the first step of one of those plans would fall through, the whole plan would crash. And so I'd be frustrated. So after about six or eight or 10 or 12 plans, I was very frustrated and I was mad at God. Because how could he put me through this? And so I told my youth pastor, man, I had this plan, and this was going to work, and this plan, this was going to work. And here's what he said to me. I've never forgotten it. He said, Mike, you need to shut up. I was like, you're my youth pastor. You're supposed to be nice to me. He said, like, you talk too much. <laughs> I was like, man, he wants me to leave, I think. Because I was already feeling, you know how it is when you're living with someone, you already feel like it's time for me to go. Now I'm pretty sure it's time for me to go. But he wasn't finished. Then he said, I want you to go take a walk on that pier. And see, I thought he was being rude. I thought he was essentially saying, take a long walk on a short pier. (laughs) But what he was really saying is there was literally a pier in his backyard outstretched to the Gulf of Mexico. He says, I want you to walk out on there. I want you to sit there and I want you to shut up and just listen and don't come back until you hear what God wants you to do. So I sat there for four, maybe six hours until I was cold and hungry and came back in. And I did that every day after school for four days. Maybe it was five, I don't remember. It was every day after school until I I heard his voice. And I did, I heard his voice. So my youth pastor taught me, I think the most important thing about prayer and that is shut up, say nothing, just listen. God has something to say to you. Stop trying to fit God into your world. Order your world around God and let him speak. Now, I want you to know this, because some people are weirded out by this, but I'm not. I believe that God does speak. I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have heard his voice. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, or else I wouldn't be alive today, I don't think. It would crush my brain, you know? And it wasn't the voice of Morgan Freeman. It was something. I can't explain it, but it's, it's clear. Raise your hand if you're just with me. You know it's—they say it's a still, small voice— But it's not just like bad pizza or you're feeling a certain way. You really know when God speaks. I can't explain it any other way. Uh, Mother Teresa said, um, prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God and at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. We hear it in there. In fact, one time a reporter asked Mother Teresa, he said, what do you say when you pray to God? And she says, I don't talk, I just listen. And thinking he understood what she meant, he said, oh, well, what does he say? And she said, well, he doesn't talk. He just listens. And then he was quite confused, as I would be too. And she saw that on his face and says, look, if you're confused, I don't know how else to explain it to you. (laughs) That's the best I got. And I'm telling you today, that's the best I got too. He does speak beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know he speaks. But in order for you to hear him, you need to shut up and you need to say nothing. So if what we say is determined by who we say it to, then how do you talk to the king of the universe? Say it with me. You say, nothing. But God is the God of the universe. He is king of the universe, but he also has invited us to call him father. Now, let me say that again. He doesn't just invite us to call him father. He has adopted us as his children, and he is our, our father. Father. Listen to what it says in Romans. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, which means father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Inside of us, we cry out, Abba, father, because the spirit inside of us is telling us you are God's son. You are God's daughter. You are a child of the king of the universe, and you can call him father. Now, when Jesus, we covered this last week, when the disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but that should, you should stop and think about this for a minute. We're so familiar with that prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But if you think about it for a minute, this would have shocked, even embarrassed the disciples because historically you weren't even allowed to speak the name of God. You weren't allowed to even write his name. His name was so holy. God is so holy. We're so reverent and so fearful and so in all of God. We can't even say his name. And so Jesus says, No, you can say his name. In fact, his name is Father. I can hear the disciples saying, No, 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 no. You don't mean that. He's your father, not our father. He's like, no, no, he's your father. You can call him Father. And, 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 and you might do some research on the internet, maybe one of these days, you're doing some Bible research. You might approach a Jewish website. You'll even still see on the website, they don't say God, they just say G-D because they won't write his name. Or you might see these four letters on the screen here, Y-H-V-H. Those are called the Tetragrammaton, which just means the four letters. These are the four letters we get from God himself when Moses asked him, what's your name? And he says, I am that I am. And those are the four letters. In other words, Yahweh isn't really his name, It is the name for his name that we aren't allowed to speak. (laughs) So they weren't allowed to say his name. They weren't allowed to write his name. And Jesus says, say, our father. We have this amazing privilege to call God father. So what does it mean to communicate to the God of the universe who lets us call him father? Martin Luther, the early reformer, said, if he could just understand the first two words of the Lord's prayer, He would never be the same again. And I believe that you and I are so far away from getting what it means to communicate to the perfect God of the universe, who is also the most perfect, loving dad that you can have. I mean, if Martin Luther didn't get it, then I know I'm miles away from getting it. I mean, most of us can't even speak to our biological fathers, you know what I mean? Most children today have negative experiences, broken relationships, even dysfunctional relationships with their father. You know that's true. And even if you're one of the fortunate ones, one or two of the fortunate ones, who have a real healthy relationship with your dad, you still know that he's, he's flawed. He's not always loving. He's not perfect. And so we have no idea what it means to have a dialogue, to have a conversation with a father who loves us perfectly. Perfectly. We're miles, if not light years away from understanding what it means to just talk to a father who loves us like an adopted child. You know how much a father loves an adopted child? Some of you may have adopted before. You've got to love that child even more, you know, because they don't feel real like a real child, and so you've got to show them how much you love them and and how much you want to give them, and that you don't have to earn my love. I've given it to you. I've chosen you. I've adopted you. You're mine. I love you. Stop trying to please me. Just receive my love. That's how much the Father loves us. One of my favorite authors, Brenna Manning, who I was introduced to by Rich Mullins, said this, We are children, perhaps at the very moment when we know that it is as children that God loves us not because we've deserved his love and not in spite of our undeserving Not because we try and not because we recognize the futility of our trying, but simply because he has chosen to love us. We are children because he is our father and all our efforts are fruitful and and fruitless to do good, to speak truth, to understand are the efforts of children who for all their over-refinement are children still in that before we loved him, he loved us as children through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Brennan Mann is essentially saying, it doesn't matter how hard we try, and as children, we've been refined, we've been taught you need to do good, you need to try harder, you need to be better. No matter how hard we try and how good we do and how better we, we is, we need to know that the only reason why God loves us is not because we've proved anything to him, but because he chose to love us, because he's a father. I love my children. So, I haven't answered the question yet, have I? How do you speak to a God who is your father? Say everything. I don't know about their other dads in this room, but I want my kids to tell me everything. I don't want them to hold anything back. I want my son to tell me when he has a bad day at school. I want him to tell me when he got embarrassed or if he got bullied. If, if he ever starts to like girls, which I'm sure he will, I want him to tell me about those girls he likes. I don't want him to hold anything back. I want him to tell me everything. Why? Because I love my son. I love my children. And I don't want them to be afraid to tell me anything. I want them to open their, their mouths and speak everything to me. Amen? So when you're speaking to God the Father, say everything. We, this is why it's important, and I said this last week, this is why it's important that we experience and understand prayer through the lens of the gospel. That is that Jesus loves us and saved us and adopted us as his children, and so of course we want to talk to him. No one wants to talk to a, what, what kind of father do you not want to talk to? You don't want to talk to a father who's disappointed, or who's withholding. We all know what a disappointed, withholding father looks like, right? You come home with bad grades, and you know dad's going to be disappointed. But then you're also thinking, but you know what? It doesn't matter if I made an A. He'd still be disappointed. And he's withholding because he's always disappointed. So he's like, well, I would have given the world to you, son, but you made an A (laughs) minus. Sorry, bud. No one wants to talk to a father who's disappointed and withholding. But can I just tell you that God is not disappointed. He loves you. He's already chosen you. He's adopted you. And he's not withholding. He wants to give it all to you. He has given it all to you. He's given you everything. And he wants to hear your prayers. And he wants to answer your prayers. And he can and he will. So just tell him everything. This is where I am, God. This is what I need, God. This is what I'm struggling with, God. He loves you and says, thanks for telling me. Now, I already knew it, but thanks for telling me. Now, I want to give it to you. I want to bless you because you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Listen to what Jesus says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you'll give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, (laughs) thanks, Jesus. You're right, I am evil. (laughs) If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Your Father in heaven loves you, and when you speak to him, say everything. Amen? Amen. Say amen. Yeah, good. All right, so I want to conclude. Let me just wrap it up. When we're speaking to the God of the universe, we should say nothing. But when we're speaking to our loving Father, we should say everything. But I want to add one more for those of us who are prone not to pray. Maybe we still have hang-ups. Maybe we still have bad relationship with our our Father. (laughs) Maybe we still don't understand God's sovereignty. So say nothing when you're speaking to the king of the universe. Say everything when you're speaking to your loving father. But for goodness sake, say something. Say anything. We have this amazing honor, this amazing privilege to communicate to the king of the universe who also is our father. So say something. You've got a wireless plan. Don't waste it. (laughs) Say anything. Just say anything. And once you start talking to God, things will happen. Maybe you don't get prayer right now, and that's completely okay. I don't get prayer right now. But the more you do it, the more you'll get it. Here's another quote from Mother Teresa. She said, prayer makes your heart bigger until it is capable of containing the gift of God himself. So just start talking. And eventually your heart will grow and you'll grow and eventually he'll fit in there. And eventually you'll have an intimate, dynamic prayer life. But for now, say something. Say anything. Because here's where I think we get confused. Relationships take work, don't they? Oh, come on. You, could, you know better than that. Relationships take work, don't they? <laughs> they take a lot of work. Your marriage relationship takes work. You, you, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes forethought You've got to go, approach something and I'll, I'll give you an example. When I first met Rich Mullins, I was speechless, but I, I got a chance to meet him again and then I wasn't speechless. I spoke. I said things to him. I asked him questions. I even got a photo up. I got a picture hanging on my wall of me and the Rich Mullins, but I still can't say that I know him <laughs> or he doesn't know me. <laughs> he will one of these days <laughs> because we needed more time. We needed more relationship. We needed more work. So relationships take work. How about relationship with your earthly father? Come on. You know it takes work. You can sit on the boat and fish for six hours and say two words to each other, you know? Relationship with your father takes work. So why would our relationship with God be any different? Well, because he's God. Yeah, but you're not. And so the communication is going to be really weird because you don't know how to talk to kings and you don't even know how to talk to fathers. It takes work. I think sometimes... We think that we can go from zero to 60 with God on a little conversation on I-70, you know? It's like, here I am stuck in traffic, God. I know it's been a while, but hey, let's talk. And then all of a sudden, we're just going to go from having no intimacy to having all the intimacy with God that we ever imagine is there. And I'm not saying that that can't happen. I'm just saying that I think we expect it to happen, and it doesn't. Prayer is not really natural, it's not something that you can just say, okay, God, it's been a while, but let me, let's talk. I, I, and I'm going to give you a second chance to wow me. <laughs> Are you there? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Just what I thought. You're not there. No, because it takes work. Listen to what R.C. Sproul said. He says, prayer, like any means of growth for the Christian, requires work. In a sense, prayer is unnatural to us. Though we were created for fellowship and communion with God, the effects of the fall have left most of us lazy and indifferent towards something as important as prayer. Even though rebirth quickens a new desire for communion with God, sin resists the Spirit. So it takes work, it takes time. So when you're talking to the God of the universe who invites you to call him Father, say anything. Just start talking, just start working at it. So, in conclusion, I'll say this say nothing when you're talking to the King of the universe. Say everything when you're talking to your loving Father. But for goodness sake, just say anything. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.